time. Every time I stand to preach, the most surprised person in the room is always me. Uh, I was called to preach when I was uh, eight years old, and um, when my dad was uh, in hospice, and uh, no one um, would want to be here more uh, than Don Miller today. <laughs> when we would be talking about churches where he had conducted his prayer seminar. We call it the prayer conference, PC, the prayer conference. I said, what, what church in America? He'd been into a thousand churches all over America. I said, what, what church in America took to heart what you taught them? Never a hesitation. Sherwood. Michael Cat. Because what he shared back in 1989 when Michael came, um, I believe in 91, Dad was here, I think Stephen had it right. Um, something happened that became a trigger point in your pastor's heart. His dad always said, the key to a praying church is a praying pastor. It sounds very simple, but it's real easy to uh, let all the other things become a priority in prayer, kind of get lost in the shuffle, but Michael Catt never allowed that to happen. You ought to thank God for that. And it's not just because it's a devotional exercise. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Standing next to me is a, a lovely lady that uh, we've been married 40 years now in January. We're pretty convinced we've had at least 10 years of happy marriage. We we're, we're, <laughs> we're, think we did the math on yeah. that. All right. But um, Dana, just kind of share with them a story that uh, brought us to the point of taking hold of something um, that we now call talk less, pray more. Uh, let me just ask, has anyone here prayed too much today? Because you're free to go. You know, if you're, we'll just we'll send it now. But uh, four little words I want you to get hold of today, and that's simply talk less, pray more. Can you say that with me? Talk less, pray more. Dana, kind of walk them through that beginning. As some of y'all know that we're here, um, when this happened in 2008, March, I was diagnosed with stage 2B breast cancer. And many, many of you prayed me through that adventure, and that was what I called my great adventure. Uh, when we walked into my oncologist's office, who was a godly Christian man, he held up his hand and he said, okay, here's how we're going to fight the cancer. With his thumb, he said prayer, positive attitude, diet, nutrition, exercise, and the last, the small finger, will be the medical, the science, all that goes with that. But do you see the thumb was the prayer? Have you ever tried to hold on to anything without your thumb? It's your linchpin. It's what gives you the grip to hold on to anything. Without it, you can't hold on. That's what prayer is in your life and should be in your life. It's what allows you to hold on to get through whatever you're going to go through. We're all going to suffer. 
We're all going to go through hard things. But prayer is what will get you through those things. If we had not prayed together, we would have missed so much of what God wanted to do. So now, the rest of the story. Jim, I'm going to ask you if you'd help her down, would you? And um, Sheila, why don't you come stand with Jim because we're going to do something here. We're going to thank God for answered prayer. Jim McBride is here in church today. He's not been in church for a while because he's been fighting cancer. Sheila, you stand with him. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand and lift up to God. I'm going to count to three, and we're going to thank God for answered prayer this morning. And if you can't do it, fake it, all right? One, two, three. Let's hear it. Praise God. Praise God. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for hearing it. Thank you that we're not alone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, continue to hear us. Continue to answer. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. God bless you, brothers. God bless you. Listen, Jack Hayford has probably said it better than anybody I've ever heard say it. Nothing improves a prayer meeting like answered prayer. And listen, folks, I'm, I'm telling you today, the challenge is before us. Warriors are wanted. Listen, prayer is not a retreat. Prayer is an attack. Uh, it's, it's what God has given to us. And I ask you to turn with me in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. I'm going to try to get through what we can this morning, and I think I'll be th through by noon um, that's kind of what y'all do here, isn't it? But if you look with me, it says in verse 10 of chapter 6 of Ephesians, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand, stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of the darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and with all prayer and petition pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Listen, folks, there's a strategy that God has in mind for us, for warriors that are being called out today. The strategy is simply this, in verse 10, it tells us, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Prayer warriors are humble people. They understand there is absolutely no way that I can take on the enemy that I'm facing in my own strength and in my own power. It is prideful people that are prayerless people, and prayerless people are powerless people. The challenge today is, is nothing new. There's always a challenge.
for the people to return to the heat of the battle. If you find yourself fainting in the heat of the battle, prayer will give you the capacity to fight in his shade. There's a beautiful tapestry of the bio tapestry that has a picture on it uh, that describes the, the battle of, the, of Hastings in 1066. And the thing that caught my eye on this is a statement that's made about Bishop Odo, who was the brother of William the Conqueror. He went to war with him and was in his war horse carrying a club. Some would call it a shepherd's staff. But by the picture that I see here, it does not look like a shepherd's staff to me. He was carrying a club to battle because he intended to be a part of the conquest. And in Latin, it says here, Bishop Odo holding a club gives strength to the boys. In other words, it's translating Latin and the word gives strength is the word that we get the word comfort from. I would suggest to you that over the years, comfort has been changed in its meaning. It's lost a little bit of its punch. Because what you see here is a depiction of a retreat that's being turned around by Bishop Odo riding into the face of the, Nors the people from Normandy that have come in to attack King Harold's shield wall. And as the arrows are pouring down upon them from that shield wall, they begin the retreat. And at a turning point in the battle, Bishop Odo pulls out a club, starts riding into the face of the retreating men and starts pounding them on the head and on the back until they return to the attack of the enemy. I would suggest to you that is the comfort of prayer. We must understand that prayer is not about our comfort zone as much as it is a war zone. And when prayer warriors are called out and hear the call to battle and move to the call of battle, they take a comfort zone to the war zone. We fight in strength with the mighty hand of God. The word of God tells us, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And this is a call to us to understand when we're too proud to pray, then we are going to be too weak to attack the enemy. Understand this, folks. We are at war. We are at war. There is not only the strategy that we have here, but it is the strength that is made available to us. I'm challenged by the thoughts of an old pastor, very, very eloquent but unknown in the northwest part of the United States and has long since been in heaven, but he said that there is a need for this word to be translated, this comfort, with a more vigorous term. Literally, it means with strength. Jesus promised his followers the strengthener would be with them. This is no lullaby for the faint-hearted, but a blood transfusion for courageous living. When E. Paul Harvey said that in the mid-60s of the previous century, it was true then, it's true today. We must understand the strategy is for us to humble ourselves and understand in that moment we are too weak for the enemy, but we have the power at hand if we pray. Return to the battle. But there's armor. Now here's the, the interesting thing about this armor. It is designed specifically for you. David was smart enough, even as a recently called shepherd boy, into a fight against the enemy, not to try to fight in Saul's armor. Saul tried to provide him with something that had worked effectively for him. But David understand, I'm going to take what little bit I have 
And look, God put himself in the middle of that and there will be victory if I fight with the power that he gives me. Please stop trying to um, be someone else uh, or say, oh, if I could just have their strength. No, you have strength made available to you in your weakness if you would take on the armor that God has given you. This is so very personal. Well, how do you get a grip on it? Well, Dana mentioned the thumb that gives us a chance to get hold of a grip. When you pray, when, when you pray, you, you're, you're, you can't get a grip on prayer without the thumb of prayer. You must practice praying so that you can get a grip on the armor. You see, without a thumb, you can't make a fist. The best you'll ever do is make a slap. The, 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 enemy, the enemy is not afraid of your slaps. He's afraid of your fist. And when you pray, and you pray standing by the side of the champion, he is afraid of who you're talking to. Because you see, this isn't about a retreat. This is about an attack. And, and I challenge you to understand that when you're looking for comfort from God, you're, you're looking for a punch that you will give to the enemy. So use this armor that is yours without utilizing the thumb of prayer. You cannot grip the weapons of spiritual warfare. Prayer warriors make a fist while prayerless people take a slap at the enemy. Listen, you have an opponent in this battle. You must understand Something is very clear in the Word of God here. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly places. Are you seeing a word repeated over and over and over again? What you have in verse 11 and verse 12, seven times the word against is used. Let me break this down. I've studied this um, Against means, stay with me, it's a little complicated, means against. <laughs> Just understand something, folks. You have an opponent, and it's not flesh and blood. I want you to look around the room. Nobody in this room has lived long enough to be your ancient enemy. But you have an ancient enemy, and the Word of God here tells us it is the devil. Listen, if you've ever gone to a Mexican restaurant and you've ordered the El Diablo platter, that's the hottest thing they can serve you. And El Diablo is basically the devil. That is a transliteration of this Greek word. And we understand it to mean hot food, but this word actually means the accuser. Listen, you have an opponent who will throw everything against you just to see if it sticks. And if you're walking through life and you I just feel like I'm under attack. Well, surprise, you are. You have an opponent. So fight back. You see, what he will do is get us to fight the hand puppets that he's using because that's what he is. He's the puppet master. Now, he can fill some people up with himself enough that you'll start hating them and stop fighting him. Just understand who the opponent is here. Your opponent is ruthless, but he's not tireless. Fight back. 
His greatest weapons on you are fear, fatigue, futility, fantasy. Well, well what if this happens and that'll happen and this happens and that'll happen and you just, you just get yourself in this flight of fantasy rather than the fight of the battle. Yes, you've been through a terrible time. There has been, listen, I've followed this with great interest, great concern. You hear those sirens in the night, what does that do to you? Does it terrify you? Well, of course it does. Because the fear is real. I just challenge you to exercise the shield of faith as you begin to move against your opponent. He is ruthless, but he is not tireless. Please understand that you have an opponent. Don't, don't, don't get caught playing checkers when the game is chess. The board looks the same. Do you understand that, that in the game of chess, your job is to block your opponent's king, leader, ruler. In checkers, the end game is crown me, baby, king me. It looks like it's on the same board. It's a different game. You don't understand the enemy is playing chess. Don't play checkers. Don't bring an empty water pistol to a gunfight. Please understand this. If you're going to get out on the field of battle, know what the rules are. Satan doesn't keep the rules. He breaks the rules. And you get out on the field, he's saying, hey, let's play a little touch football. And all of a sudden, it's smash mouth football. There's a difference, is there not? Amen. It's too soon to talk about the Super Bowl, so I won't mention that, but you know, we'll you know, just, just stay with me on this. So what do you do when you have this kind of opponent? Well, don't fight the wrong enemy. Look around the room again. These people are not your enemy. Amen. They're not your enemy. Flesh and blood. Is not your enemy. This is a spiritual warfare. Let me challenge you to be a source of encouragement to the people around you because they're not your enemy. It wouldn't hurt you to be life-giving to other people. And praying for other people is certainly a way to do that. Stop going on Facebook trying to straighten everybody else out. I mean, seriously. I mean... <laughs> You know, undertakers are called to straighten people out. That's, that's, not your, that's not what you're called to do. You're called to be a life giver. Being a life giver won't kill you. Pray for somebody, would you? So offer up some resistance. That's the fourth thing I want us to go through here in just a moment. The resistance. Push back. Pray until something happens. P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. I want you to find rest in this battle. You've been through a, a tough battle the last month. This isn't the only battle you're going to be through. Storms come and go. Don't want to be the prophet of doom this morning, but crises you know, are things that you are coming out of. You're either in or you're heading into. That's just the way life is. And so today for prayer, you don't, don't grow fatigued in the battle. Find rest in it. How do you find rest? I want you to think of just R-E-S-T. Resist Resist, resist every single thing from Satan and prayerfully release every single thing to God. Prayer isn't a matter of giving Jesus some information he doesn't have. It's a matter of placing something that's in your hands that you cannot handle.
If you are weary and worn in the heat of the battle, did you hear me? Fight in his shade. Stand next to the champion. That's how you stand firm. Listen to the sound of his voice, not the sound of the enemy. Well, it gives us a challenge here to stand firm as we read. Well, what does that mean with all this armor? Well, it means that there are going to be bad times that come. And you're going to need to be prepared for it. Sir Robert Shirley was a young baronet of England in the 17th century who built a chapel on his property. He went to jail for it. He died because of his imprisonment. But in the wars that were raging, the religious wars that were raging in England at that time, he built a little church. And this is the inscription on it. It's old, old English. So let me just kind of read this to you. Sir Robert Shirley, baronet, founded this church whose singular praise it is to have done the best of things in the worst of times. You have a great heritage of churches like that, Sherwood Baptist Church and others in this community. I love the testimony that I heard shared about the churches of this community when some of the civic leaders were asked, did you, did you have to reach out to the faith community? No, they, they reached out to me. Churches will always do the best of things in the worst of times, and Satan will make sure that what you're involved in will seem like the worst of times. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. When Jesus died on the cross, it looked like the worst of times, did it not? He always overplays his hand. He, he always underestimates the church. He always underestimates the power of prayer. And so it is when you take up this armor, you, you begin to understand that you have a strength to put it on, it's the unbridled truth versus political correctness. It's the righteousness of repentance versus cultural conformity. It's the gospel of peace versus the war against God. It's fearless faith versus relentless fear, rescued by Christ's salvation versus separated from God. It's the word of God versus conventional wisdom. You have armor. You have armor to take the stand against the opponent. But you must understand this armor is not provided for you to be on parade. It's to face persecution. The enemy hates you because he hates God. The enemy hates you because he hates even the name of Jesus. I get a kick out of hearing people say, oh, I'm so glad to hear God's name being used more now in the public square. Oh, hey, good, good to know. Start dropping the name of Jesus. See how far you get. Satan hates the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Why are we called to pray in the name of Jesus? Listen, when you're standing next to the champion, you won't forget his name. You won't forget his name. You won't forget his voice. I need to move on. You need to follow the order of the day. Many of you are part of the military. You understand the standing order. Well, what's the standing order for you and for me as warriors? I believe what you find here in the Word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Praying in His presence. What, is, what, what does praying in the Spirit mean? It means praying with a sense of, of the presence of Jesus Christ with every breath you take, with every step 
you take. You are not alone. Now, you'll feel alone, but you're not alone. If I threw some balloons out to you, this would be hilarious to do someday. And uh, we've done it in churches before. We have everybody fill up a balloon. Just start pumping air into it. And, um, and then I say, you know, there might be a symbol across or something. I say, okay, I'm going to count to three. Everybody let them go and see how many of them land at the cross. Because as they're blowing up the balloon, their vision would be blocked. I, they'll no longer be able to see me. But I haven't moved. When you talk more than you pray, you're filling up a crisis with your own hot air. Get over your own ether, folks. It is time for you to talk less. and Because when you pray, you will see Jesus in the middle of your crisis. So the standing order is no matter where you are, no matter what time of day, not just a quiet time in the morning, but throughout the day, pray at all times in the Spirit. Prayerfully respond to a crisis before you react with panic in the middle of a crisis. Let me just say that the Word of God says in John 14, 16, I will pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter who may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit never leaves you. He, he, is, not, he is not a gaseous ether. He is a person who dwells within you. Call out to him in the name of Jesus for strength, no matter where you are. Call it in the middle of traffic or starting the day, middle of the day, ending the day. Because sometimes you just go through some really bad things. But Jesus always brings fresh perspective to the crisis if we will allow him. Two people walking down the road to Emmaus were totally, dis totally distraught by what they had seen happen. They thought that the death of Jesus was the worst thing that had ever happened. Was it the worst thing that ever happened? Think about it for just a moment. It's not a trick question. Without the death of Jesus upon the cross, where would we be? And Jesus speaks to those people and he says, was it not necessary? Was it not necessary? Prayer will change your perspective on a crisis very quickly. I don't know what else to say about this other than I love introducing the story of Matthew Henry. Many of you read his devotional articles. He's an 18th century divine and student of the word. He got robbed. This was his thought on praying in his presence. And, and reacting, rather than reacting, responding. Let me be thankful first because the robber had never robbed me before. Second, because although he took my wallet, he did not take my life. Third, because although he took all I possessed, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who robbed it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. You see, we, are not, we know how to go through the what-ifs in the negative direction. How about going into the what-ifs in the positive direction? Understand we pray in the presence of the Spirit when we understand there may be a purpose for this greater than I understand at the moment. When Dana embraced cancer, she called it her great adventure. I will confess to you, I did not embrace it as a great adventure. I, you know, if you hadn't figured it out by now, she's the real Christian in the family. Sometimes this takes a while when crisis hits you. What else do we do? Well, we pray expectantly. Be on the alert. Well, what does that mean? Well, simply means expect to be opposed. You, you have an opponent, so expect to be opposed. 
It means that the persistent prayer warrior knows the difference between aggravation and navigation. When you become aggravated in a situation, you lose your navigation. But the Word of God talks about importunity, the kind of prayer that sails into the wind, the winds of resistance. And it describes to us in Luke 18, uh, pardon me, Luke 11, 8, that because of his importunity, he will rise and give him. And so it is that when we begin to pray in a way that we're sailing into the wind with a newfound capacity and tenacity, then we get to where God's trying to get us, even through the prevailing winds of opposition of our enemy. What else can we pray expectantly? Well, you expect to be heard. Did anyone in this room pray for Jim McBride? Okay. Expect to be heard. Expect to be answered. Expect your sleep to be interrupted. I can't tell you how many times I see people post on, oh, I just couldn't sleep last night. You know, you start praying and you will fall asleep in an amazing, amazing way. Because, you know, guess who woke you up? I just challenge you to understand that we pray expectantly knowing that there are times God may wake you up. Have you ever had someone's name brought to mind and you give them a call and they say, I can't believe you just called me and it was the perfect timing of their need and your response? Certainly, I'm not the only person that's ever experienced this. This is praying expectantly. Expect storms to blow up your plans. Did anybody plan to do what you've been doing the last month here? Well, expect to pass through the storms of life, not just go through them, but pass through them. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Expect a change in plans. Even King David wanted to build a building that God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to give that to your son to do. Listen, prayer will help you determine whether it's a good idea or whether it's God's idea. Big difference. Pray for all believers. Petition all for all the saints we're told here. That's how we pray in the spirit. Expect the spirit of God to place the needs and names of people on your heart. Listen, it's easy to hate someone that uh, you don't pray for. It's harder to hate someone that you pray for. I'm not saying it's impossible. I I'm just saying it's harder. So pray harder. Pray for all the saints. Pray for believers. Whenever God brings up something about a person's life that you're not particularly fond of, instead of running to your best friend and running down someone else, start interceding for them because whenever God gives you discernment, that's, a, that's God's call for intercession. It's not God's call for fault finding. Start praying for people. And finally, pray for the preachers of the gospel. You've seen a witness of a, a gentleman on the screen that was serving folks in New Orleans. Your pastor is up in the mountains praying for a sense of direction for what's next. I, I would suggest you be praying for him while he's there. I was serving on the staff of a pastor in Houston, Texas at First Baptist Church, and John Bassanio went to Miami for a getaway to seek God's direction for what was next for a church. He came back, called the staff together. He was so excited. While I was there, God... God shared with me that 
We need to lead the people of the church to double their giving for two years. Call it two by two. Double their giving for two years. Listen, uh, <laughs> crickets were chirping in the room. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Double tithe? Now, for some of you in this room, that wouldn't hurt a bit because you don't give anything. But, but the fact of the matter is, for those of us that were given 10, 20 sounded like a lot. Now we've got to go home to our wives and explain it. He said, now don't put a pencil to it, it won't work. And I'm sitting there putting a pencil to it, and I'd figured out before we left the room, this ain't going to work. And he said, well, what do you think? I said, Pastor, I don't think we're ever going to let you go to Miami ever again. I don't know what God's laying on the heart of your pastor, but why don't you, why don't you hope and pray that it's something impossible? And said, oh my, not another challenge. Run to the battle. Run to the battle. Listen, you're not praying until you've seen the impossible turned into the impossible. When you're standing next to the champion, don't panic before he does. It's always too early to panic. It's never too late to pray. Pray for your preacher. Pray for your preacher. He needs it. <laughs> and you need the practice. Governor Mike Huckabee shared those words when I've never been able to shake them. Pray for your preacher. He needs it and you need the practice. Preacher's only as good as the praying people he has around them. Lenny Dawson's one of my favorite quarterbacks at quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, and they used to have these choir boy huddles. See Lenny there in the clean pants? You notice everybody else isn't clean. There's a reason for that. Now, back in the day, they used to have what they called the choir boy huddle, and actually the huddle was set up so that a deaf school who was playing football could call their plays so that the other team couldn't see them. They're, they're, they're play, when they were up at the line calling the plays, uh, when they would play another deaf school, they could, they could interpret their plays. So the huddle was invented by the deaf in order to protect their plays from being seen. Now, that would never be done in, in the world today. Nobody would try to steal the plays of the other team while the game's going on. That would never, that would never happen. But can you see his pants are clean? When you're playing football... If you can keep your quarterback clean, you've got a fighting chance to win this game. And if you're willing to get dirty in the battle, look at those old boys. That was before AstroTurf. I'm old school, okay? I mean, I just love, this is how football was meant to be played, even with more rain. I, I mean, this is just, this is what the battle is. You protect the pastor. Pray for the preachers of the gospel. He says, pray on my behalf that utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Okay, final word, 11 seconds, I'm done. Has anybody, you had to look over your shoulder to see. I cannot believe that. The order requires a response. We got pastors in this room that serve under their Lenny Dawson, so to speak. I want them to come kneel here, right here. 
You guys usually stand to receive people. We're going to pour out a blessing on you. Neil, you got prayer altars. Gentlemen, come kneel. Ladies, come kneel. If you're on the staff of this church, I don't know all the titles, so please come. I haven't met you all, but if you're on the staff of this church, why don't you come and kneel? And we're going to put at least one of these to practice right now. The altar call this morning is for you to pray for the preachers of the gospel. I want you to come right now. I'm not, no, no music has to be played. There's, you don't need traveling music. Just come on. And when I'm done, Ken Bevel will close us out with some challenge for something that's coming up for the men of the church. As you're gathering, I just encourage you to take Ken's invitation to heart to invite people in the community to this wild game dinner. You have, a, you have an opportunity here. Doors are opening Windows are opening with people. Uh, they're interested in knowing more about you than ever before. And, and listen, there are hungry people here. I've, I've watched them fed on the, in, the, in the streets and on the parking lots uh, yesterday. And so, listen, please be in prayer about inviting someone to come with you. If you don't know the names of your neighbors by now, you will never, ever meet them. It, it's pretty easy to meet your neighbor when somebody's knocked their door down. You don't even have to knock on it. Get, know their names, invite them to this. But right now, I'm going to count to three. I don't want you to applaud. I want you to pray aloud. Not going to hurt you. It's not going to split the roof. But I want them to hear people interceding for the request that's in the word. Pray on my behalf. They need to know you're praying, but they need to hear you're praying. Are you ready for this? One, two, three, pray. Father in heaven, as we hear these voices continue to pray out to you, you're not confused by the sound. You know exactly who's praying. You know exactly what they're saying. I'm in no way trying to interrupt any flow of their prayer to you, Father. I'm just simply interceding on their behalf as well. As they are lifting up their pastors, as they are lifting up their pastor, Michael Catt, as they're lifting up this dear church, and as they are stepping forward, Father, to be the warriors that are needed for this hour, I pray, Father, that in the heat of the days that are in the, they are in right now and they will soon face it on some other crisis, I simply ask you, Father, to give them the capacity to understand in the heat of the battle how to fight in your shade. And I pray, Father, that you will, by your Holy Spirit, call them at all times to lift up the saints and to lift up their pastors and to lift up, Father, the cause of Jesus Christ because there are many people in this city 
who have yet to claim the name of Jesus as their Savior. We pray, Father, that as windows are broken, as roofs have collapsed, as doors have been widened, open to, to people to enter in to help them, I pray, Father, that there will be more than roofs repaired, more than windows repaired. We pray, Father, for the broken hearts in this city that need to be put back together by the healing hand of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, for salvation. We pray, Father, for them to have the kind of faith they need to be able to stand against the fiery darts of the evil one. We, we lift up this dear people of this church who have stood for years as a beacon of light in the darkness. Father, give them the capacity to see prayer as the night vision goggles, not camouflage to hide from the enemy, but to give them night vision goggles to be able to move into the darkness to see what the enemy is up to, to attack, to attack, to fight back. So we take back lives that need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Dear God in heaven, we simply come to you because we have nowhere else to go. We humbly pray to you for a sense of direction for your protection and for any correction along the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. amen.